So thank you again for coming today, and thank you, Krishna. That was an amazing khutbah. Um, before we start with the Q&A, um, I want to just make a few announcements. Um, so we are having our next Jummah, inshallah, March 27th. So please mark your calendar and come then. Um, we are continuing to publish our Q&A audio only. So this is a safe space. We want you to use it as a, an opportunity to share from the heart, um, share vulnerably. If at any point you realize you said something that you don't want published online, just let me or Samia know afterwards and we'll edit it out. But while you're here, we want you to practice using your voice and using the safe space of the circle. Um, and we want to hear from everybody. We especially want to hear from people who usually don't speak up. Um, so this is your opportunity to use a safe space to practice speaking up. So if you're someone who's usually shy or usually wait for others to speak first, um, this, is the, this is the place where you want to push yourself to grow stronger in your voice so that when you're outside of this space, you feel more confident using your voice. Um, and then we are accepting donations via credit cards. So if you want to do that, you can see Sami in the back. Um, this year, our fundraising strategy is to ask for monthly donations. So um, of any amount would help us a lot, even if it's only $5 a month. Um, that helps us uh, make our program uh, programming more stable throughout the year. Um, so yeah, thank you again. Uh, Krishna is a really beautiful khutbah. You know, we often will hear khutbahs on Hajj, um, but it's about, you know, the steps or about the male figures um, in, you know, that we're commemorating. Um, so it really was a different experience to get to hear from you. Um, and, and what gave me chills really was when you said that you had read uh, Malcolm X's autobiography as a child, and then later on you were on your, you happened to go for Hajj on the 50th anniversary, and you realized that God had been laying the path and signs calling you since you were a child. Um, can you speak more about that? I believe in signs. Um, there are signs all around us. You know, one of my favorite movies is actually um, Fools Rush In, which talks about signs. It's not a Muslim movie, but it's a you know, romantic comedy, but it's got some really good um, examples of signs and following the signs and trusting. Got to speak right into it. Okay, <laughs> trusting your intuition, trusting Allah, trusting your heart. So the piece about Malcolm X, um, when Hasna asked me about it, and you know, was I going to mention something about Malcolm X? I had really forgotten that on our Hajj, our tour guide, her name is Shahida Sharif. She's a couple. Um, her and her husband, Imam Suleiman. Our Hajj tour guides have been doing this for now almost 20 years, and they're very young. They started very young. They met um, while studying in the Middle East. That's a whole other story. We'll get to that in a minute. But um, because it was the 50th anniversary of Malcolm X's Hajj, there were reporters there. Mm -hmm. And so one day, some um, reporters from the Associated Press had come and sought her out to do a story. And that story is actually still available online. Mm -hmm and it talks about the resonance of their work and Malcolm X, et cetera. So it's, uh, you know, it was very meaningful to me because I read the autobiography of Malcolm X probably at least two or three times mm -hmm. when I was really young because I really like biographies and memoirs and um, people's stories of transformation. So that really spoke to me and it was even interesting. Another sign is, um, you know, Black History Month, we just at the tail end 
And there's been, of course, showings of the autobiography of Malcolm X on most any streaming platform. And there's actually a new program on Netflix it's called Who Killed Malcolm X? Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to give anything about that away, but it's really interesting to watch, um, particularly towards the end, with some people's impression of the forgiveness of Allah when you make Hajj. And so I wanted to be very specific about forgiveness, but forgiveness doesn't eradicate responsibility. Mm -hmm. So that's all I'm going to say about that. And actually, I heard that a few days after they published that, um, they have opened up the case again. <laughs> um, I just feel like, and I know Krishna, and, and I see Krishna all the time and we talk, but I feel like she, in her talk, her cookbook, that she actually brought us in and we were on the trip with her. And I told her, just when I gave her the salams, how excellent that was, because that's not an easy thing to do. But I was there. After you started, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm there. And so I think it was just very good and inspiring. And um, just to be able to recall and bring us there and bring us with you, that was, that was excellent. I would have just told my husband, just go on. You know, and he probably would have just gone on. Um, <laughs> because that's what we do as women. We put our kids, our husbands, our other things, our jobs <coughs> before us. You know, we buy all these other things and we forget that if we just put a little money aside, you know, like they used to have that special savings account that you just put somewhere, then, you know, you could afford to make the Hajj. And our dream is to raise more money and kind of build, um, you know, just keep building so that we can give bigger and bigger gifts. So on March 21st, in um, Altadena at Masjid Al Taqwa, we're going to have a fifth pillar conference. It's a mini conference. Um, the donation is only $25 because we want people to come. And we're going to honor uh, Sister um, Shahida Sharif, who's our Hajj tour guide with Hajj Pros, and her husband, Imam Suleiman Hamed, who is also the Imam of Atlanta Masjid of Al Islam, one of my favorite masjids ever. Um, that I've visited, and they are young people who are doing some dynamic work. Um, they're now even starting to take their kids on Umrah. If you go to their website, which is hajpros.com, um, you can see all about the Hajj. And so they do a couple of trips to Umrah. You know, they do the Hajj every year. They do some educational trips from time to time. But mostly, you know, they have dedicated their life to this work. So why not us honor and support them? in this very important work. How many people are planning to go this year? Anyone? I'm not sure, because I mentioned this to Krishna. Apparently, the Saudi government has opted not to allow people outside of the country to come in because of the coronavirus. Now, I'm not saying that's what's going to happen, because I get my information from Facebook, you know. <laughs> but, you know. But, no, but, but when you ask that, that's why I was, you know, I just wanted to mention. I don't know. Yeah, so for right now, Umrah is uh, closed. No travel from outside for Umrah. But inshallah, if things are in control by Hajj time, we may still have Hajj. They say that coronavirus is less dangerous than the flu, though. The flu kills more people. So I think there's a lot of uh, propaganda out there right now. We'll hear from a doctor. <laughs> um, it's also a virus, and it's also like symptoms are also like flu-like and like a death is also like flu, like, like so. But the problem thing is, this is new. 
Flu have been here for, for a long, long time, and we have vaccine now. But this is new, so they, before you know it, then people are dying because there is no treatment for it. Um, the flu also have treatment now, right? So if you, that's kind of true that, yeah, like, if I, we don't have the treatment of the flu, probably the death rate will be way higher than what we are having now. So, um, but the good news is the vaccine already is already um, found and hopefully, you know, United States always make things more like, I don't know how to say it, but if it is in another country, it will be probably was given within another month or so, but they're saying that it need to be two months of process for this, another two months, so not happening this year. But we have the vaccine now. Assalamualaikum. Um, Sister Krishna, you had talked about the transformative nature of Hajj, so I'm interested in your thought process before um, and how your thought process has changed because of Hajj. Yeah, this okay. mic is not this as strong. Mic, yeah. You can actually just like rest it on your chin. Okay. Yeah. So the thought process, that's right, nobody's seeing this. The thought process before was more of, um, oh my gosh, I'm a new Muslim, like I said, how do I do this? I always felt somehow inadequate mm. because, um, you know, you're trying to memorize something after 50 and you haven't memorized anything, you know, in what feels like 50 years. I was like, oh my gosh. And I felt like shot out of a canyon mm -hmm. because I wasn't, or canon, I wasn't expecting that I was gonna make shahada. You know, I really truly thought, okay, this is gonna be cool. I'm gonna be spiritual, you know, I'm gonna just keep <laughs> doing this, whatever. Cause you know, me just stepping away from church was a lot. Cause I am a fellowship type person. You know, I've always been in some kind of congregation, but you get worn out, you know, you don't get no rest. Mm -hmm. um, when my dad, I was from Denver, and when my dad, um, in his last couple of years when he was, had cancer and he was dying, I went back to the United Methodist Church, his church, to be there with him and to help and the whole nine yards. And maybe I came a little bit before that, but I mean, they turned me into, next thing I know, I'm in charge of like the welcoming committee and the, the service committee. And then when he passed on, then they tried to get me to do all the stuff that he would have done, because he was a layman in the United Methodist Church. He was great. He could have been a minister, but he chose not to be. And so, you know, all that to say, so here I am, somehow blasted into Islam, you know, and as soon as I do this, it's like, oh my gosh, I can't lay there in the bed while Jamal is making salat. I got to actually get up. You know, I would even get up during Ramadan and eat breakfast with him and go back to bed, but now it's like, yo, I got to fast. Oh, and, um, it was, it was so, really, all of that stuff leading up to Hajj, you know, it was a, a constant struggle of, okay, did I do anything right today? Um, you know, just really. And one time, um, we went to an event at the masjid in Burbank on San Fernando Road, and um, the comic, oh Lord, I just lost Omar his name. Reagan. Omar Reagan was there. <laughs> And he was wonderful, all these Muslim comedians. And he started doing this bit on how thoughts kept interrupting him during prayer when you're trying to make some laugh. I was so glad, because I was like, oh my gosh, I thought it was something wrong with me. I didn't know, you know, it was everybody. You don't want to tell people like, I'm trying to make some laugh, and stuff just jumps in there, you know, and just, you know, all kinds of stuff. So anyway. 
So when I made Hajj, you know, first I surprised myself that I really wanted to do it, because I didn't even know what I was going to do. I just knew it was something you're supposed to do. We had this money, we had some time. You know, I, did, I wasn't working. I was giving myself like a year off, and I was tired. And a lot of things had happened. I had, my mother had passed and everything, and I found myself all this time, and we had a little extra money. And so I told my husband, well, maybe this is when we should make Hajj, because we can do it. We can afford to, blah, blah, blah. But it was late in the season. We didn't realize how late. And it was, I don't know, like May, and Hajj was August or something. So we sent all this money to Hodge Pros. You know, people had recommended them in the home nine yards. And then the brother gets on the phone and is like, oh, you need to send this other $4,000 in two weeks. I said, what? Mm. Then one day we called. He actually mixed us up with somebody else. And I almost went, you know, to where colored girls go. I'm like, wait, no. You know, I was like, brother. So, um, uh, so we decided, someone said, well, do a GoFundMe. So we decided to do this GoFundMe, mm -hmm. you know. And as soon as you do that, then you find out all the possible prohibitions against doing something. Like, you're not supposed to ask for the money, but then somebody would hand you the money. <laughs> and um, they wanted to help, you know, but truly what it was, we thought we would have like another month or some more money to come in. But we did get the money. We raised it. We found more money that we had. You know, we got a lot of donations. And in forming the Hodger Project, one of the things I wanted to have was I wanted sisters to be able to go or people to be able to go, but I didn't want them to have that pushback, you know. So if it's haram to ask for the money, okay, so be it. I don't know, but then we'll give you some money to help you. Because I don't want nobody to be, you know, right there on the edge when they need another $300, $400, $500. I give so far, I've been $500 in a backpack, a lot of stuff, which is good. Um, because they think they can't ask, or their friends think they can't give, or, or something like that, or you can't do it openly. You know, mashallah, our community was very supportive. You know, it, it, it was wonderful. What, what is the range? Because um, I know depending on like what packages you get, it can get extremely expensive. What would you say is like the low end and the high end? Um, I would say hospitals generally is on the lower end. Okay. Um, and a lot of what the cost is depends on whether you're doing double room, triple mm. four people or whatever. And um, so I know that their prices are out and I think it's 8,000 plus. But the higher end for mm -hmm. some of the tours can be 12, 13, 14,000 oh, wow. dollars yeah, wow. per person. So it really depends. And I know there are people out here in the community <coughs> because, you know, things are expensive. Okay, think about it. You go on all the way across the world, and most trips are going to be about a 20-day trip, because there's different forms of Hajj. So the Hajj we went was Hajj Tamatu, and that's where you go before the Hajj. You have time, you make Umrah, so you go to the Kaaba, you make the Tawaf, you make the Sa'i, you know, you get out of your Ikram. You know, by the way, with women don't have to wear white, and they don't have to, you know, dress in special garb, but you are coming there to do work. You're not out there being fancy, like we do at Eid. You know, you need some, <laughs> some regular stuff like we are today. And then you have time after that to do tour and, you know, go to Medina. And you want to go and have time to go to Medina. And I think every tour would allow some time. But Medina is so beautiful. Hmm? Oh, yeah, yeah. They're included. Is so airfare? 
airfare included? No, air, it depends. Okay. So, it depends. <laughs> it's a once-in-a-lifetime trip. It, it, <laughs> Don't worry. Right, it depends. You, you know, you have to do your comparison shopping. As much as I like Hodge Pros, you know, I think people should go with whoever they can go with, you know, um, whatever works for you. Um, you know, Hodge Pros just happened to work out for us that year. But we had to still pay our air fare from LA to New York. You know, you're still gonna pay, you have to hold in cash, like the slaughter fee that you give on the day of Arafat. Mm -hmm. You have, you're just gonna have other expenses. And you're gonna need to shop, because you're gonna be over there. <laughs> <laughs> this is yeah. from Hutch. Yeah, yes. this is, this is, yeah, this is definitely, you know, um, I am a shopper. Um, we even have a fundraiser called Shop Assisted the Hodge. We have some little information back there. It's a shopping app. Um, you know, I love to shop, you know, but I'm also a comparison sales shopper in the whole nine yards. So where we stayed in the Swiss Hotel, which is the kind of iconic clock tower, we stayed there for the first part of the trip. And then that's connected to a beautiful mall of all kinds of stuff. You know, it's got all the Gucci and Coach. It's got you know, Starbucks and some kind of shake snack burger or whatever that I had never heard of that's a big deal that's here in the U.S. Um, it's got all that and it's right near the home, but if you go below that, you got to go down in the other floors, then, you know, you can find the sales stuff. The regular folk is down there, you know, below. So I was down there. I got this dress down there and I was down there looking for cotton. So everywhere I went, because I'm like, it is too hot. I'm not wearing this poly stuff. I had found cotton, you know, before I went, because I knew I, you know, I'm menopausal at that time. I'm like, I'm hot. I, this is not going to work. Um, and I would watch people get over there and buy these things that were obviously polyester, and I didn't know how they were doing it. And then there's a lot of black. I mean, that's Saudi culture. The sisters wear a lot of black and the whole nine yards. And you will want some black by the time you leave, because it's so beautiful now. I, and I did buy a black dress that I can't even fit in, because when you're shopping, you know, it's only brothers um, that are manning all these shops and stuff, mm -hmm. and there's no dressing room. So you're asking the brother, is this large enough? Is this the extra large? Are you sure? And he's like, oh, yes, sister, yes. And you know, <laughs> <laughs> and you get home, and your dress is like tight across here. You know? It's low one. It had enough room for all the lower part. It didn't have enough room for it. You know? <laughs> so I have yet to alter it. I just like to look at it. You know? <laughs> but um, you know, that's actually I will say this about my thinking that changed from Hajj. When the woman's mosque was that was like 2015. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I knew about the woman's mosque. I came a few times, you know, I had friends that were coming and doing things, um, but I didn't understand yet why they were doing it. You were doing it on Fridays during the Juma, because I'm still new Muslima, you know, I'm like, oh, Fridays when I make, you know, Juma with my husband, it's a family, community, congregational thing. I love what they're doing, I just wish they weren't doing it at the same time. When I made Hajj, and watch what was going on with sisters and the lack of sisters in places where sisters should be, like even Victoria's Secret is like, why is no sister in there? Who's going to sell me some, you know? How's that going to work? You know? And, um, you know, you just, you know, just not the roles for sisters that you think you're going to see in some cases. And I don't want to elaborate on that too much, 
I'm not saying sisters were treated unduly, because that's not what I'm saying. But I am saying, you know, we visited some of the local mosques, and there was one in particular I thought was very beautiful. And so, of course, we enter through the sisters' entrance. We go upstairs. It's really pretty. I have pictures. And then we get back down, and I'm kind of glancing to the large part of the masala. And I'm like, well, it's awfully big down here. And then when we get home, it's like two different Hodges I was on, because mm. the pictures I took are vastly different than the pictures my husband took. Mm -hmm. So his pictures are the same month. It's a big, huge open area. Mm. So, right, you know, so I'm, you know, I'm already familiar, you know, as a new Muslim that, you know, sometimes the sisters are upstairs, under the covers, in the whole nine yards and all that. But it's a different thing when you see it in Saudi Arabia and you realize, okay, that's what they're doing. Some sisters have not been put in an environment they could really feel as welcome in the mosque. Even though it's beautiful, it was smaller, you up here. We down here. Um, some, you know, some sisters, because I had a friend tell me that she don't usually go to the mosque, but she became Muslim into some other whatever understanding where she was told women don't have to come to Juma. So if you don't have to come to Juma, well then you at home, not at Juma. So this is a welcoming, inviting place where women can be at Juma. And I understood that better after making Hajj. And you know, may Allah forgive me and any listeners if I'm saying something that offends anybody, but I'm just saying, you know, sometimes uh, we need a little more room. <laughs> you know, and uh, somebody need to give us a little more room. I really just want to say thank you. So thank you for asking that question. Um, and I, we walked in toward the tail end of your speech, so I'm sorry about that. But um, I say thank you because listening to, when you asked the question, I was like, boop, 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 boop. You know, um, because even the idea of Hajj, knowing that it's something that in my lifetime I want to do and I'm obligated to do. Um, it just always seemed like, oh, well, when am I ever going to be right to do it? You know what I mean? And so listening to your real talk about it, it, it just, and, and where you were when you took the journey, it's just like, oh, well, when you think too much about something, you make something into more than what it is, and then you make yourself into what you're not. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So, um... I don't have any questions. I just wanted to say that before, because we got to leave. But I had to say thank you. And thank you for you know, allowing us late people into the circle. And that's it. That's all I had to say. <laughs> that's a great point, though, because I think that you know, we often, when we talk about Hajj, we talk about preparing financially. But a lot of it is emotional, right? It's like you might have all the money in the world, but you don't feel ready. You're not going to go. And that's why this is such a valuable chutbah, because when God calls you, that's when you're going to go. Assalamu alaikum. I also think it, just piggybacking on that, I think it's wonderful, though, that you talked about you, you and your comment regarding emotional, but I also think it's the physical piece as well. Um, and, you know, because, and it's that mind over, you know, mind over your body, because your story, I mean, and I know you, um, and I've heard your story, but, but I've never heard this piece, and I think that's what's so beautiful, one, about 
um, being able to be a katiba, one about sharing, is that, you know, regardless of what you know about someone, there's always something different and unique you can learn about someone's story. And I think that's beautiful. And I also think you talking about it, you kept it very real. Because I think sometimes people candy coat Hajj in the sense of going, oh, it's just great, you just do it. You know what I mean? And, you know what I'm saying? And versus saying, my feet hurt. And I, and I got sick, and you know what I mean? What have you? So I loved how you interwove your story of what was physically happening, what was spiritually happening, and what was emotionally happening, because I think that gives a really, a, a, it for, to me was a positive, realistic picture. And I think that's, and for me, I'll speak for myself, that was very beautiful. So I appreciate you sharing your message. I don't have a question either. I would just say, continue. <laughs> Continue sharing your story re regarding that because I think that that was really helpful because you just don't hear that, you know what I mean? So that's, that was my comment. And the line, I came to Hajj to live, not to die, that, that is such a different outlook. You know, I know so many people, my dad included, who's, who's always like dreaming of dying on Hajj and going straight to heaven, like, like everyone, you know, that's kind of the culture. And so I really like you saying that because then that makes it less of a thing that you do at the end of your life. It's more of a catalyst in the middle of your life, inshallah, that will then transform you and transform how you are in society. And, you know, I'd like to speak to that for a moment because on our Hajj trip, was, it was multi-generational. So uh -huh. there were mature people like me, and then there were also some younger people. And I was particularly inspired by the younger people because, you know, I do think Hajj gives you whatever it is you came seeking to get. And they were not encumbered by the physicalness, and they were, you know, bouncing through every <laughs> ride and upbeat, but they were so kind and helpful to those of us that might have been struggling. One brother, um, the son of someone who's now my friend, so you know, you definitely bond with all your Hodge sisters and brothers. I didn't know any of these folk. Um, sister Zainab was the sister of a friend here in LA um, named Mustafa. So I knew we would see her, and when we were in the airport, we kept looking at people that might look like her, you know, and she and her son were there. And her son was almost like a second party to the tour guide, because he would hold the sign, you know, they have the high sign so you don't get lost. He would stand and walk with the back of the group to make sure, you know, people didn't get separated and things. And then another sister, Sister Zakia, she just happened to be a very tall sister. So, you know, you could always watch and see where Zakia was in the crowd, because obviously I'm kind of short, so I'm trying to, you know, uh, keep up. But, you know, I think um, there's nothing wrong with a younger person thinking about Hajj and thinking about it in such a way that, you know, maybe I should go earlier rather than later. But if, you know, if you don't, so be it, it's okay. Or if you're mature and you've never been one of my um, sheroes, um, may Allah bless her, she's passed on. Sister Mariam Shabazz made Hajj at like 79. Um, and she was a strong soldier of a sister, so she didn't even look like, I mean, I was in worse shape, and she was in good shape when I made my Hajj. She, she made it a couple of years before I went, and, um, you know, everybody might catch a little cold or something, so she came back, she had to rest up, but I'm like, if she can do that, Lord, I can do this, <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know, even the Imam uh, Kareem Hassan, 
Um, he's made Hajj, he, you know, the people at Bilal Masjid, they all made Hajj that year. A lot of mature people, a lot of pioneers. And um, we're going to honor he and his wife at our event. But, you know, there's no right time, it's your time. But in our first gift season, we were blessed to give um, a backpack to a sister we learned about, like, right before our event. Her name was Noor Abbas. Um, she and her husband had been married maybe about a year, and they had had a conversation and said, why don't we try to make Hajj before we start making family and all that. And mashallah, we learned about her, we gifted her, you know, it worked out well for them. And to me, they're kind of a template for what could be Hajj, you know, changing the narrative, you know, no, you don't have to wait till you're older. If you do, then fine. But you could do it when you want to do it. And if you make your intention, then Allah kind of is hearing that and saying, oh, okay, here's one, you know. Uh, she just needs to ask, or he needs to ask, or, you know. Yeah, I have a question. Sure. Uh, and, and we want to record you, though. Okay. okay, so my question is, we're sisters, and there's a lot of single sisters. Mm -hmm. You went with your husband. Do you know about the, can you talk about the restrictions if someone, a college student or just a single sister says, I want to go to Hajj, and maybe I don't have a husband. Does, do you have to bring a brother? I've heard... You don't have to bring a brother. You're going to go with a tour service. So you pretty much have to go with some kind of tour service. And most of the tour services are led by men. And that men, um, man serves the purpose of that male that's accompanying you. But this, there is a form that you turn in. So you apply. And one of the forms says, you know, who is the male that's allowing you to go, more or less. But sister, you want to say yeah, something. Actually, that's what I want to say. Thank you so much for uh, expressing your experience. I actually went on the same year, oh, 2015. Okay, year. Uh, year. Yeah, actually oh. this morning I was talking to my colleagues and uh, they're like, when did, uh, like one of my colleagues want to go. And then I, I was telling her, yeah, I, I went 2015. And actually this is her second time. And I said, you shouldn't go. You should let other people go, you know. So I, we are having a little fight, and I was like, I'm, I did it, and you did it. Why? Why? Anyway, so I went to the same year. Um, I have been one thing like an intention, and you know how in heart we say labek, labek. So it's a God calling. So it's like you have to have that. You have the intention, but until the God calling, you probably like we believe on that for anything but for Hajj it's like a right there like a, without God calling you cannot be there it's kind of so that's but intention making intention is the first thing right so I have been I always want to go to Hajj probably even like really young um, but then um, since I think 2000 six or so that time it was December was so I was like I was almost planning like I'm gonna take my kids they're in vacation we're gonna go they don't let me I'm single they don't they don't want me to they can I can't go by myself um, I have to have a ihram. so either my husband your brother or father those are the three people can take me and I don't have those so I waited, and also you have to be, I think initially um, from my mosque, I go to the Islamic Center of Southern okay. California. So they told me that you also have to be 50 to do that. Even you go, then... 
think even it's 45. Yeah, so now. Yeah, yeah, so there you go. So that what they told me that time. Mm -hmm. uh, so then I said, okay, I'm going to wait until I get 50. Then, um, so 2015, they, uh, then another brother told me, yeah, you, you need to be 47, then you can go. I'm like, there you go, I, I got it. And then I, and then I was doing all this process. I went to Darussalam, mm -hmm. and um, we are, I registered in, I believe, in January. The horse is in August. I think, yeah, it was, no, not January. After Thanksgiving, I went to my friend's house for Thanksgiving, and I did it right there because I, I, I don't want to come home and I forget about it. I, I, yeah, so that's how I did it. And then all this letter coming, payment going, and they said, oh, you don't have a ham, so who's going to give you the permission to go? And I was like, I don't have anybody. And then, um, then uh, somehow, I don't know how it came up, I, because I don't know that my son can do it. He's just 18. He's just going to college. And the, they told me, uh, then they told me that your son is 18. He can write a letter that he's giving you permission. I still have that letter. My son is like up until every time if something I tell him, he said, remember, I give you the permission. <laughs> I still have the letter. <laughs> so he have to write that letter, notarize it, mm -hmm. and send it to uh, Saudi Arabia with my passport and then I got the visa. Yeah, mm. that's how it happened to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so I remember the form. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So then they let me go. So point of clarification, if you are an unmarried woman whose father dies, who has no children, you will never be allowed to make Hajj. If you don't have brothers, I have like a cousin. I don't think that. Do they have to be a Muslim cousin? Do they have to be a Muslim? It can be whoever is your, um, it can be whoever your next male is, but back in the day, I remember my mom was 35, and I was 10, and she made Hajj, and she went with the Islamic Center, and Dr. Hatut signed for her to go. So you can find, you just need some, another male to vouch for you. Right? They want it to be. They want it. They want it to be. You know, someone of re, of next of kin or whatever. But because these hot, to get you, it's almost like getting a permit, right? You you just can't walk up and say, even for the Hajj companies, right? I started a tour company and I'm going to do this Hajj. Everything that you do have requires permission. Right. So if you go through a tour company, usually there's someone in there that has been doing this long enough that can vouch, certified, whatever. It's also protection for you, right? So that, that, that they will be able to enable you and to go to Hajj. So I think this is an important conversation because you can't let the barriers prevent you from going, right? It's about when you're called, when you have the financial, when you have the finances, when you're physically and mentally prepared, but like anything, when you start to prepare, right? You get that whisper, shaitan starts whispering to you. And it's just like you said, like you weren't gonna let anything stop you you know, and you went, and that's, and that's just the point that I want to make. Like, there are ways to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Great point. Yeah. You know, in the Hajj requirement in Quran, 
there's nothing say anything about it, right? So um, most of the thing, most likely, like a made by Saudi um, and some other cultural thing. So there is no um, no Quranic reference on that. So it's all about other thing. And yeah. I, you know, you you need to have that visa, and you have you you can't do anything just to follow them. Yeah. But I would say you know one advantage we have as being Americans, U.S. citizens, there's not as many people trying to go to Hajj as from other countries. Mm -hmm. Because one thing, um, one of the experiences I had was, um, well, if you went in 2015, you know there were two disasters. And I don't like to talk about them too much because I don't want to discourage people. Mm -hmm. But I mean, you're making, okay, a pilgrimage, a journey, um, it's not a vacation, mm -hmm. you know, so you're going to do some spiritual work and there are gonna be things thrown in your pilgrimage. Um, but there were some people from, um, I think Malaysia, that we met after we had completed all the rites and we were just kinda chilling out in um, Mustafa for, not Mustafa, where was the other little city? We were in a little city outside of um, Mecca, a little area. area. No, um, it'll come to me, but anyway. The bottom line is we met them at a little place looking for food and they were telling us how um, they had been on a list for like 15 years because there's so many people coming from their part of the world to make um, the pilgrimage and they had to wait and wait and wait. And then unfortunately they lost two of their family members because there was a stampede. And so, um, you know, at least we're blessed that, you know, we're not as many visas because they, they keep a tight rein and they have to. You can't let everybody wants to come at once. Um, so they, you know, the, the, the government tracks that and, you know, may Allah bless them because they do maintain the holy sites. Yeah. He's taking another person it's first. Then other countries, the people who have the regulation of only 200 people can go from Bangladesh or 300 people can go to Pakistan. So we are the one from America who have that privilege to go every year, taking their spot. Well, I'm not gonna, you know, that, that, that could be the case, because yes, surely we probably all know somebody's been two, three times. I know somebody's been about three times, but I figure that's Allah's gift. That's between them. Um, I don't know how that happens. And on our tour, there was actually a brother that had been to Hajj every year for 35 years at that time. Um, but he also gifts people to go to Hajj every year that he goes. So, you know, I'm not going to block the brother because, you know, I'm trying to say, how do I get somebody on your list? Um, but he has his own list. But, you know, miraculous things happen. You know, every year we hear about somebody that was gifted a Hajj trip. Even within on our board, um, Sabah Tahir, who's not here, she's a chaplain up north. Um, so she's doing her work today with the sisters in the prisons. But she was even gifted a hajj at the last minute, an unexpected thing, and a very um, more high level, for lack of better terminology, hajj. Because, you know, depending on your tour group, if you want to pay for fancier, you can get fancier. If you're going with the delegation that's fancy, you can get that. Or, you know, what I liked about hajj pros is I felt like they kind of eased us into the whole experience. Uh, my husband and I went thinking that we were going to be in, you know, group rooms with you know women and brothers the whole trip 
So when we got there, we found out for the first part in Mecca, we could be in a room together at the Swiss Hotel. They had surprised the people that were couples that were traveling. They had worked that out within their budget. And then, you know, after all that, and we go to um, Medina, which is a beautiful, beautiful place. Um, then I was in a room with like, I don't know, three sisters. Then we went to um, the little place that we stayed in like just a little concrete basic hotel. It looked like something over on Crenshaw. Um, just, you know, just a concrete hotel with multiple people in the room. And I think we had four or five of us in the room then. And we had a water closet type bathroom situation. But by then, you know, you're buddies with everybody. It's all good, you know, and it's wonderful. And so then the shock of being in a tent is really not a shock.